SpecFicMedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast with hosts E.G. Holyfield, Christiana Ellis, Chooch, Viv, and Nuchus. Well, hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, I am P.G. Holyfield. Uh, a little bit late today. We have a, a, a story that Christiana can share. We have a, a great video, uh, great video feed of her. It looks a little different today. Why does it look a little different today, uh, well, Christiana? So the fact that I have one icon, which is is probably showing in the Hangout right now with my little profile pic, uh, and then a different one with my video, is I am. Uh, I, I dropped my webcam into my Diet Coke, and so I'm using my iPad's camera. Um, uh, it's working out okay, but uh, a little unusual to be sure. Um, it is the perils of, you know, uh, having technology and Diet Coke together, but I would argue still worth it. I, More importantly, I have two things you have, to say. Go ahead. Sorry. Do you have Diet Coke to drink, Christiana? That's really the important question. Do you have the caffeine you need to get you through the night? I do, and it's in All my right. Hunger Games Catching Fire cup. <laughs> nice. Woo-woo. A big, wide-open um, <laughs> opening. So we may have learned something tonight. So, Mike, to that story. I lost oh, an iPod God. that way. Number one, obviously your webcam likes Diet Pepsi better, or it would still be working. Uh. <laughs> and number two, if anyone from my radio station is watching... This is why we don't let you bring drinks in the studio. <laughs> uh, this is how you get in. And for for Mike McCauley, who is in the uh, chat in the Q&A, uh, it is not because I'm running XP on my, uh, on my computer. It was because we, that's not the reason we were late. It was because uh, we were, we were trying to figure out the best way to get Christy on the uh, video and audio at the same time. And yes, we now have Hangout, as Mike says. Uh, so, as we were saying, this is a Game of Thrones podcast. This week we are going to be talking about First of His Name, which is episode five of season four. And as you also can tell, we uh, do this live on Wednesdays. We have a uh, Google event uh, where we do this, uh, where, where we have a Q&A app. People can ask questions. Usually they're just talking amongst themselves, which is awesome. And we'll uh, pull in questions into the show as we uh, go along. If you are listening after the fact, uh, definitely come by specficmedia.com or our Google page or the YouTube page once this is up and uh, post questions there or comments, and we'll try to pull them into, uh, into the next show. Uh, but tonight we're going to be talking about first of his name. Uh, we have a full crew tonight. We have the extra, extra window down below for, uh, for Christiana and, uh, Twice the fun. Mr. Chooch, Mr. <laughs> Chooch is back this week after, uh, his, his, uh, his eye of Sauron illness, <laughs> uh, prevented him from taking part last week. Yeah. How are you now? Are you all better? All recovered? Oh yeah, you know, I had some time, some little downtime, kick back, put on some headphones, listen to some Depeche Mode, and just, you know, <laughs> heal. Heal is what I'm saying. What color is your tongue today? 
Oh God, more depression. I thought we were done. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't think I could let you get away with that, did you? Mm-mm. It's one of the reasons why he's my soulmate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did have discussions last week of uh, you know missing missing the color, uh, the colored tongue for the for the show. So <laughs> your eye was your eye color was was making up for it, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yes. So um, a different a different episode uh, this week. Um, you know, less. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they had the big, the big twenty-minute thing at the end of the episode, uh, beyond the wall, but uh, a lot more character study and everything. What everybody think of it? Start with Chooch. Character study? I didn't see that, but overall, I enjoyed it. It's, um, it was very talky again. <laughs> um, but what we, I thought we learned, you know, a lot about some people that we didn't necessarily know, and the people that we really wanted to see die, or at least I really wanted to see die, finally got there. So I like that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you christiana um i liked it i i felt like it was a bit of an uptick from the the last couple which i didn't hate but uh you know we're not not perfect either um and uh you know which isn't to say this is one is perfect necessarily um in particular some of the ways that it seems like it was diverging from the books they they kind of curved it back around to line up with the regu- in the book story faster than I expected, given how much it seemed like they were changing. But, uh, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I liked it. Very good, Nutty. Um, no, I I liked it. Uh, lots of really interesting information. Uh, we could argue probably till the cows come home about how they handled things that were different from the books. Um, I, I feel like the episodes are getting less episodic. Like I feel like we had themes for each of the episodes in the past. So it was like, well, this is the episode that's all about that kind of a feeling. And we see it in the different stories. Whereas the episodes seem to be just like middle, lots of middle, no beginnings, no ends, just lots of middle. I'm not saying it's bad. It just feels like a different pace to me. Hmm. Hmm. And Viv. I I agree. I think it was more upbeat. It was a different pace, and I was kind of relieved about that. At the same time, I thought it really delivered some awesome punches. So I was I was really happy with this episode. Yeah, I I felt like um, I mean I enjoyed the episode. Um, I felt like it was like you're talking about thematic. Uh, episodes. I, I actually did think this was a, a very heavily themed. Um, not so much the whole like we usually have some of the multiple meanings behind the title of the um, of the episode. Whereas this one was first of his name is pretty much you know, the uh, the coronation. But the, some of the, one of the things I thought was really explored well was sort of uh, characters coming to terms with with things um, or coming to terms with their, you know, respective situations. You had Cersei sort of changing her approach um, because, you know, she's focusing on the trial and getting Tyrion. So she's doing, instead of, you know, blasting out at everybody, it's more like, okay, I'm going to be the good daughter. I'm going to be the, 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 the grieving mother and, and just hit up all the, you know, the judges or at least the, 
the family in Marjorie's case, um, uh, the family, uh, to sort of, you know, possibly get her way, uh, in the future. And, you know, you had all the Starks sort of, uh, dealing with, with their situations and in, in ways, you know, um, Arya sort of the re- realizing her, uh, water dancing, uh, doesn't really amount to much when you're de- dealing with someone twice your size and with <laughs> armor on and things like that and the other characters, which we'll get into. But I just thought there was some really good uh, uh, exploration of the, of that in this episode. And then, uh, um, you know, the big, the big, I guess, culmination of, of John's or the John brand uh, almost meeting uh, storyline and Craster, the end of Craster's keep, I thought was, uh, handled pretty well for the most part, so uh, you know, did enjoy it. Uh, not as much complaints as as last week, so that's good. Uh, except for the fact that I just yeah, the running joke of you know the previously on segment before the show is just becoming so ridiculous. You know, you basically watched that one minute, and you didn't need to watch the episode because you knew everything that was going to be in the episode. You know, especially if you read the book. Um, you know, it was just in there, so I was just like, okay, well, I can go to bed now. Uh, but um, yeah, I did enjoy it, um, and we and we will get to the contest at the end. But I, I do want to to do a quick tease for that because there's somebody on the show who hasn't read the books who almost got it exactly right, <laughs> both categories. So uh, we'll luck. get to that. At the end. <laughs> yeah. So all of us that have read the books, we don't know shit when it comes to guessing how many people are going to die and uh, <laughs> how many times they're going to, they're going to talk about something. So, yeah. So uh, getting into the episode, um, I guess we can start with uh, get the coronation. Actually, I'm just going to get, let's get Marine out of the way. Uh, Danny's thing, since there was just the, the one scene really. And, um, um, so we got, uh, uh, discussion of, uh, well, Jorah has, has, you know, the magic, magic messaging, uh, gets, gets to him and he lets everybody know that, uh, that Joffrey is dead, killed at his own wedding. And, um, you know, they discuss the idea of, you know, what do we do now? We've got these cities, we've got a Navy thanks to, uh, Dario, um and um you know goes goes into that and then there's a one-on-one discussion between uh danny and jura uh anybody want to want to jump in on on that those scene those two scenes well the, my notes from the last one that i missed last episode about the power vacuum and what's going on i'm glad they got to it right away and you'd think they would have had some kind of pre-planning along you know they do a lot of horse riding so I think they could talk a little bit about post-domination strategy, but I'm glad to see they're, you know, addressing that. And I guess, you know, for story-wise, it culminated into kind of a new, a new turn for her. So I guess it did work that way, but. I was wondering if, uh, well, for you, Chooch, and, and I guess anyone who is not familiar with this part in the books, because I think it would probably line up with my reaction at this point in the books, which is a little bit of, although I understand where she's coming from. Wha- okay. She's just going to stay in Marine now. <laughs> I took it as realizing, you know, 
get your house in order. And those dragons still need to grow some. So mm-hmm. good place as any. <laughs> I mean, okay, all well, along, I was wondering if she was going to stop, you know, once she got the, the Unsullied and freed the slaves, I was wondering if she was just going to stop there for a while. And, you know, well, and now she went you're on her rampage. <laughs> No, I think it's good. I mean, she's left people probably in in many cases in a worse situation, and she's going to take care of it. And I think it's a valid point of how can she take on Westeros if she can't manage three slave cities. And and she'll learn, you know, while she's doing it, too. Hmm? Well, yeah, I mean, so I understand, uh, um, you know, various... uh, reasons for it and all that. I guess I was just, uh, certainly in the books, I was a little taken aback by just this whole idea of like, okay, this is a complete change of what we thought the whole end goal was supposed to be. And we can understand like the rationale, but this is really a, it's a very, um, there, there's, what's the exit strategy here? Yeah. <laughs> this is an adventure backer. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chooch, why would you suppose that she only wanted Jorah's input when she was making the decision? She kicked everybody out but Jorah. Um, I think he's the one she still trusts the most. His opinion. Right on. Out. I was just curious. Yeah, I just found it interesting that Barristan was the one that was more. You know, I think we can, we can move. We can uh, attack King's Landing with that many men, and you know, the old, the old families will rally to the Targaryen flag and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, Jorah's, you know, preaching, uh, you know, patience or, you know, not King's landing. Isn't, isn't the seven kingdoms and, and that sort of thing. I just thought that was, that was interesting. And, um, of course, Dario, you know, saying that, uh, you know, he, uh, uh, he took the Navy and, you know, she was upset at first saying, you know, well, who, who ordered you to do that? No one. Then why'd you do it? Oh, I heard you like ships. And then she has that, <laughs> she has that look away where her, you know, she sort of smiles a little bit to herself. And I, I just, I, yeah, I, I, I see uh, Christiana going, he's not good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking out for her. It's, you know, no. yeah, but, uh, yeah, but uh, you know the the idea that the uh, the you leave, and we talked about it with with Tywin. Sorry that that it's much easier to conquer than it is to rule, and you know, Tywin's you know discovered that a lot at first, and, and has settled in, and now she's realizing well, it's a lot easier when you have numbers and and everything that that uh, to take these cities. But once you leave, that uh, uh, to be able to keep control of them is a completely different thing. So. Looks like she's gonna stick around there and see what uh, see what's ruling. I just I like the idea that she she loves what she loves most is to stand over a balcony and survey her land. <laughs> I noticed that as well. I was like, that's rules. the same post from last week. <laughs> she's like, um, Go ahead, Nettie. Oh no, I was just gonna say uh, what I noticed though is as I'm thinking about this change of decision because I remember reading the books and going. What do you mean you're staying? You went all the way this way. You're in the wrong direction just so that you could get 
a Navy so that you could come back to West. Like, when are you coming to Westeros? What are you doing? Um, but at the same time, like, as you think about it, it's she's meshing the idea of being a Khaleesi uh, because she's taken so much from being a Dothraki and being a Western ruler. Um, for instance, the Dothraki, they, they conquer, they plunder, and then they leave. Or you give them half of what you have anyway so that they don't plunder, <laughs> so they don't plunder you and then they just go um whereas she actually has a purpose she wants to make a change for the slaves and we talked a lot about this last week about how it matters a lot to her because being a woman in that society she is a slave she was bought and sold um but then you also look over at let's say winterfell you know theon captured winterfell but could he hold on to it so you've got this like balance and and I think it's very wise that she wants to learn that she wants to kind of have an apprenticeship there. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like they just kind of glossed over the whole, well, the, these other cities that I've already taken and freed the slaves, they're now worse off than they were when, when before, because mm -hmm. now people are starving and they, they captured everything in a sentence and it, it, you miss the complexities of it. Um, and we can make many parallels to uh, actual history to see where, where the inspiration comes from, but it's interesting. Mm. It's not action oriented. So I'm sure we'll get people grumbling about it. Like, Oh gosh, Danny, just, move, <laughs> just go on. I'm bored of yeah. this. Well, one of the, one I, of the uh, things I, Oh, sorry. I didn't mean, yeah, okay. I was just gonna. I mean, I guess it's really more just like a joke. But uh, I, I had always, um, once I got over my initial reaction to it in the books, I was just thinking, well, you know, Slavers Bay, all those, you know, the the cities. It's like it's just like a starter kingdom. You know, it's <laughs> to get her practice in. <laughs> it's her, yeah. It's her first ten levels in the MMO area. You know, <laughs> gotta build up. So. But yeah, uh, for some reason, I just got the idea when, when they were describing uh, the butcher, Cleon, whatever his name was, I was just like, okay, we're going to have to see this guy at some point. Yeah, they, they went through the, the trouble of describing him as the you know, the butcher. So. Well, and, and also, I guess what they, it just the way they described it here in the show is that she wants to rule Slaver's Bay, not Marine. And so it sounds to me like they're they're maybe intending to have some show business of her actually doing something to help Yunkai and Astapor as well as the uh, um, you know as, as well as the the other the Marine. <laughs> so, the yeah. Sheriff Bullock in the uh, in the chat says uh, feel that whether or not Danny can rule in Essos is irrelevant to how well she do as a king in Westeros because in Essos she's looking to change the entire social stratification leaving huge power vacuums mm. she wouldn't have such a big lift in Westeros that's a good point she's also uh, an outsider who doesn't know the culture at all uh, mm -hmm. in Slaver's Bay and um, yeah, he also asks if Joss, Joss Whedon uh, writing and directing the musical episode of Thrones next season. And, uh, <laughs> one one can only hope. So I Let's would pay so happen, much people. money for a Kickstarter to make that happen. 
<laughs> no more musicals. Uh, and speaking of, uh, speaking of, wait, of, wait, wait! Uh, if we have a musical, the- wait! If we have a musical, does that mean that we'll have actual dancing dragons? <laughs> One go. would hope. The latest book is called "A Dance with Dragons." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mike in the Q&A says, uh, uh, speaking of Danny standing at the balcony singing, don't cry for me, Marine, mm. instead of Argentina. <laughs> I was thinking uh, it's the anyone- White Walkers that would want to freeze the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the snow With never bothered them anyway. We will find a way to, sorry. I'm <laughs> That's a Dr. Horrible reference. For those that don't know it, go find it because it's awesome. But I, I also kind of feel like uh, they'd be singing about how the cold doesn't bother them anyway. Also, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, as the, the, the uh, horn-headed White Walker, um, mm. uh, he could sing that. I'm going to wait for PG to start right. talking again before I interrupt again. <laughs> Where's the yeah, fun we'll that? just do this for the next hour. Is anyone else disappointed that they haven't showcased the dragons since episode one, like Macaulay asks? No, I'm fine they're with grown. it. I mean, they're, I mean, we've established they're big and they're snarly and they're wild, and I'm okay with them putting yeah. the money elsewhere for a little while. Save for a little up. while. Save it up for where it counts. Yeah. For a little I- while. I'd rather them utilize the CGI time for when the dragons are actually important than just having them off in the distance for no particular reason other than saying, yeah, by the way, there be dragons. Yeah. So anybody else notice that, that, that Jorah is not looking as healthy as he used to. Hmm. You know, I thought that was just me. I thought he was looking like a really aged romance novel cover model instead of just, you know, the romance. (laughs) Yeah, I I was. It has been three years, but older. But I, but it was also, it it did feel a bit like they're maybe doing it on purpose for some reason, as opposed Mm -hmm. to um, just the actor looks older now. Because if that was if that was the only issue, I'm sure with makeup they could make him look more like he did in past, past seasons than they did. I, I think he just looks a little sad and distant. Like, you know, I used to be Danny's favorite. And I used to be the one that, and now there's all these other good, there's, there's Barris and Selmy and there's Grey Worm and there's this Dario. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. He was so happy that she wanted to talk to him alone, but that's it. Well, there could be something to that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, that that might be might be it. Um, although, you know, she he was still the the one that she wanted to stay. Although, I, this is this is a very minor nitpick, but it's just something that um, it's it's such a trope. Uh, this whole thing of um, all right, all of you leave. I want to be alone. Yeah. And then they all start to leave, and she goes, not you, Jorah. Like, he should have known that when she said, all of you leave, she didn't mean him. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, it's one thing to say, <laughs> all of you leave except for Jorah. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But all of right. you leave, Jorah starts to leave, and she's like, where are you going, dude? And he's like, As an afterthought. you told me 
you just said. So anyway, minor complaint, but that's just, it's such a trope in this kind of uh, show. <laughs> because of course, if he had just stayed and sat there, she would have been, I said, all of you go. Right. <laughs> so uh, we can backtrack a little bit and uh, talk about the, uh, the coronation. So uh, first of his name, uh, got that out of the way as far as uh, the, <laughs> the meaning behind that. And um yeah, quick, quick coronation, which was which was nice. Um, thought we might get a little more crown talk, but nah, or sightings, but it was just the one, you know, the one scene there. Um, we had. Uh, I did like the voice on the septum. Always jealous of anybody that can roll their R's like that. So <laughs> happy with that. Um, um, I thought it was interesting. The main thing. They, that, oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say an interesting. I, that they made a bigger point of the religious aspects of the coronation ceremony than they have in the past. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you're impressed by people that can roll their arms. Yeah. Long may he rain. Rain. Yeah. But the main thing that it, that it did for me was, was remind me how much I miss Varus. Because uh, you know, seeing him walk up and mm-hmm. from the faraway shot, and, looks like we do you know, get um, a bit more of him next time. The preview yep. makes it yep. look like we get more Varus next time. And for those that thought that Sir Pounce was a cock blocker, um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, a Cersei was was like supreme. Dude, <laughs> that wasn't even just a cock block. I mean, the way her hair was done, I even wrote it down. She looks like some pissed off like frau, you know, like some really severe mistress, headmistress, or something that's going to come around and whip. Her I saw you guys making eye contact. Oh my god, yeah. man, that's I'm she, I watching you. I knew that shot was going to happen. <laughs> It was so funny, though. Yeah. But yeah, her, and Marjorie's, oh, her and Marjorie's facial expressions during their talk were just priceless. Yeah. The eye rolls. And the... <laughs> hmm. Yep. But uh, what was I going to say? The um, Yeah, I even like the little camera thing when she did walk in between. Like the camera's like focused on her stomach almost because the way that she's like was towering over. Uh, in you know, standing between them when when they were making googly eyes, and then uh, the camera pans up to her face, and she's just like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> then she comes over and makes nice. So uh, yeah, you know. see, here's here's the thing, and I'll I'll confess that I didn't quite pick up on this uh, the first time through the episode, because um, I you know I think probably like most people when Cersei actually goes over to talk to Marjorie and then there is surprisingly frank with her about what Joffrey was like and yeah. making nice. And I'm, and I'm kind of thinking, okay, this is, this is a new strategy for Cersei. Um, what's going on here? Um, and I only really picked up on it at reading a recap of, of the show, but she does this in three different scenes this episode she plays nice with uh with people that she had previously not indicated nice feelings towards but let's see who were they the daughter of one of the judges in Tyrion's trial <laughs> her father who's one of the judges in Tyrion's trial and Oberyn who's one of the judges in Tyrion's trial yeah. 
I think she is basically calling in all her chips and playing nice to curry favor with the three judges in Trian's trial. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I will admit, though, that I, it, it took someone else pointing it out for me to realize that. But then I, in the rewatch, I definitely noticed. I I just I was so surprised to see her appearing to be so calm, cool and collected and logical. <laughs> and I know she had a crazy Cersei motive. And I was like, this is really awesome to see as much as I miss crazy Cersei. I'm sure she'll come back later. <laughs> this was really kind of cool because as you're reading the books, at some point we get a point of view chapter from Cersei. So you can see how her brain works. And I know when I read those chapters, I'm like, if you would just stop and think for a minute, you could do so much. And I feel like she's heard me. <laughs> she's heard me. And it, it, it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nicole in the chat says, I'm thinking it's a trap. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Where's the black bar when we need him? <laughs> and Sheriff Bullock said that he noticed that Jorah looked old and tired as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like, or I just thought it was very funny that this this conversation between uh, Cersei and Marjorie was going on, and 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 it's like the first time that that like Marjorie's made like a tactical error when she like at the end of this nice conversation and uh, she's hearing exactly what she wants to hear and then she brings up the the marriage with the pillow biter and, and uh, yeah <laughs> i don't think it was scene. a tactical error you. so much as her realizing oh you're gonna be nice to me now well if we're gonna be nice right. <laughs> gosh i won't know whether to call you sister which incidentally is the thing that uh, Cersei she had previously said. Her. If you call me sister again, I will have you strangled in your sleep. Yep. I don't know and whether she went through the story of the reigns of Castamere. Mother. And, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and yeah. so I thought of it as kind of like, oh, you want to be nice to me to curry favor with my father now? Well, you know what? You're going to pay for it. That's, that was my... Like uh, well, but I think it wow. also um, looks makes her look sympathetic as a mother that she'll put up with that bullshit because I thought Marjorie was being a total cunt at that moment. But I mean, come on, let's not forget. This is her dead son's murderer's trial we're talking about. And I know Cersei's a bitch, but I could still mm-hmm. empathize with her. And it just seemed like it was like kicking a dog when it was down. It didn't seem necessary and it seemed totally out of character for everything that we've seen of Marjorie. Oh, I'm sorry. I hit a fan button. <laughs> Um, everything out of um, like character for her, except for like the scene when she was alone with Joffrey with the crossbow, and you know, would you like to see me kill something with it? That whole creepy thing. So that was the only thing I didn't really like about that scene. I thought Cersei's honesty was compelling and almost convincing. You well, know, but I, I I can see that, except that she's all, literally only doing it. Because she has an ulterior motive. Right. Because her son is dead and she thinks this no. guy killed. Well, uh, it's because she hates Tyrion. So, but she's she found not a way nice to kill to... the dwarf brother that killed but, her mother. But see, and that, to my mind, is not a sympathetic 
motive. Like we can understand she's upset, but we know she's being completely irrational about Tyrion there. But it's totally in character for her, so I don't know well, why. I'm not saying it's not in character. Yeah. I'm saying okay. it's still awful. All right. Is all. <laughs> oh well, shit. Yeah, of course it's awful. It's Cersei. I'm just saying I don't <laughs> say. Oh, look how open and vulnerable and honest she's being there. I'm saying. No, she is telling Marjorie what she thinks Marjorie will respond to because she's trying to curry favor in a manipulation. It's not any kind of, um, oh, I respect you as a person, Marjorie, and so I'm going to share my feelings with you. It is, I'm going to try to get you to talk your dad into siding with me in the trial. I, so I felt like I, I understand why she's doing it, but I didn't have any... I, I, I don't know. I didn't really feel any sympathy for her because I feel like she's, you know, any heartache she gets from this is totally her reaping what she sowed. That's my opinion. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and Sheriff Bullock's opinion is, I can't believe how nice and reasonable Cersei was in this episode. Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yep. Uh Sticking with King's Landing, the next scene we see is uh, at the aforementioned Cersei with Tywin. Uh, she follows, follows through on her earlier conversation. You sort of hear the end of it as the scene opens where they're talking about the Marjorie Tommen wedding. Uh, Tywin makes the point to say no 77-course meal this time. <laughs> <laughs> And then he brings up the, the, the nuptials between her and Loras, and she at least uh, responds to that, saying, ah, uh, Fortnite. So, mm. um, the, I like the conversation about the gold drying up in the Westerlands, and yeah. she, the line about pounds, tons, and ounces. <laughs> I think I actually, um, uh, Nobila sent a message saying that uh, he really liked that line about pounds, tons, or ounces uh zero in all cases sounds like um and then the discussion the, finally the payoff on the discussion with the iron about the iron bank uh much more uh, talk about that um there was one line where they were talking about um where she's talking about the the legacy of the family is more is more important than anything you know mm. throwing his line back at him and I did like the, or the, she mentioned the idea of him turning his back on Jamie for refusing to contribute to its future before slamming Tyrion. And I was just, I was sort of thinking back and, you know, you had the thing in episode one where he gets the sword, but then he refuses to go, you know, take over Castle Rock, uh, Jamie. And, and he's like, okay, I'm, I'm disowning you or what have you. But really what, ha what, what repercussions have we seen of that other than, you know, him saying that? Cause He's Jamie's where he wants to be, so it doesn't really feel like he's he's lost too much in in the way of what you know what he wanted. So, um, but uh, the scene as a whole, anybody have any uh, anything they wanted to talk about? Um, well, it's it's definitely clear that you know they're they're being much more explicit with the iron. Iron Bank stuff that they were they had hinted at previously, like like you mentioned. Um, I think um, a bit like what she was doing with Marjorie. I think this whole thing about promising to wed Loras shortly after um, and do all of that stuff. I feel like even then in her head, 
she's thinking, well, that's going to be after the trial is done. So who knows what might happen then? I can agree. I can agree that that's the plan now and then figure a way out of it once Tyrion has been executed. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's again, it's her telling him what she thinks he wants to hear. Um, And I think I think the thing is, too, though, that Tywin, I think Tywin knows exactly what she's doing. Um, he even essentially calls her on it. Like she hasn't really right. mentioned the trial and he's kind of like, well, you know, I can't talk to you about the trial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but uh, so I think he knows exactly what she's doing, but he doesn't really care because he figures that uh, she doesn't really get a choice in the matter anyway. So I think he's just sort of relieved that she's not fighting him on every little thing. So he's just like, I'm going to roll with this. I'll take care why she's quiet. She's quiet. I thought it was an interesting scene because at one point she says, you know, so who can we trust? You know, who is there we can rely on? And he says ourselves. And I think it's funny because in this, this is the first scene that I've looked and I've actually questioned is he even including Tyrion and Jamie in that anymore? Or does he literally just mean the two of them face to face? Because he's disinherited. And at least in words, he's disinherited Jamie because he wouldn't go back to Casterly Rock. And Tyrion now sits in a dungeon for murdering the king. So, I mean, how, how specific do you think he was being when he said ourselves, chooch? God, I didn't even think of it that way. <laughs> 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 I, know. I sort of got the feeling that you know he's just so used to saying that you know the only people we can trust are ourselves or you know the family meaning the yeah, lannisters as a whole mm-hmm. yeah and the idea that that's sort of ridiculous because you know of what you just said we've got Tyrion that people think have you know killed joffrey and you've got uh jamie being shunned in most circles and and you know the tywin doesn't trust or hold cersei in the greatest regard just because of her place so it's it's, i think it's you know sort of just brings out that that's what he has always said so that's what he's going to keep saying and um of course uh his brother kevin hasn't been yeah featured in the show at all so i'm i'm really surprised that they haven't reintroduced him um, just because yeah you know i think the last time we saw kevin i the last time i remember seeing kevin is when tywin was butchering that stag but he may have been at heron hall on one of those little war councils. Yeah, I believe that he was. We saw him when yeah. when Tywin Heron was Hall. still at Heron Hall. Um, but again, you know, without, you know, just Kevin starts to matter more to the story, um, you know, or at least he did in the books. So yeah, clearly, no. if they're not going to have Kevin, then that that's going to change some aspects of how certain things play out. Um, right. But, you know, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, you know, one thing that occurred to me, though, as far as um, Tywin disowning Jamie, my guess is that, and, and I actually never even really thought about it this way in the, uh, in the books, but was just realizing um, it's really kind of a conditional disowning, isn't it? I mean, it's more like... Mm-hmm. Okay, Jamie, you want to go off and play Kingsguard? That's fine. When you're in trouble and you need my help, my help again, you know what the price will be. 
Well, yeah, and that's what I meant when I said, at least in words only, to Cersei and Jamie, he's disowned him. We don't know if he's taken any legal, whatever they would justify as legal or call ju- call legal steps there. And Cersei certainly wouldn't know. Um, now, I, as I'm thinking about it, as he was saying the words, I just took it as family. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, you know, there are lots of cousins and stuff, and I t- totally forgot he had a brother because where else would the cousins come from? <laughs> well, well yeah, we haven't seen Lancel at all um, mm, for a while either. Not. not since the Blackwater, I think. Oh, he'll come back mm. next next season, uh, cast <laughs> in a different role. No. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, unless uh, anybody else has any other comments on that scene, um, the next thing in King's Landing would be. Oberyn and Cersei mm-hmm. um, opens up with him writing uh, a poem it turns out uh, to one of his daughters Aww. he had a lot, a lot of talk about daughters he has eight daughters um, mm-hmm. you know she plays and this isn't a, a spoiler because I mean the book is different but you know but it, it sort of comes up in two of these conversations but um, sort of I think that nearly the same sort of conversations happened in the book as far as her talking to Oberyn, but uh, don't, doesn't he like, she like sort of offer the idea of marriage to her as, as something that sounds familiar. Possible. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't remember know. that. You might be right, but I don't remember. I don't you remember. Know, I was not commenting about the whole I'll marry Loris because of that. Because yeah, I think we're getting into spoiler territory. So yeah, yeah. Well, I was just I, for, for the idea of uh, you know they've added you know that the the different sideline with how who who they're you know threatening to to pair uh, Cersei with, but the the just the idea that this particular scene she comes at it from a you know I have you have my daughter you have eight daughters we have this in common and then she he she sort of plays up her. Um, that side of her being a mother and, and, and missing her daughter rather than what I think I remember the book and people can tell me I'm wrong that there was, it was a different tact altogether as far as what, mm. uh, how he was trying, how she was trying to influence Oberyn, uh, and, and hmm. that sort of thing. I mean, okay. I, I, that seems, it, it feels wrong to me in my headcanon, so to speak but it might well be that that is exactly what happened. But I just sort of, I had always thought that uh, Cersei's objection was not to Loras per se, but rather that she just didn't want to get married to anybody. Right. I, I think in the books, it wasn't her idea, but there is talk of her and Oberyn. But at that point, we're not in her point of view. So. Well, what. I, Look, I'm going to say, I don't care whose idea it is. I don't care how they have it in the book. I really loved seeing those two characters interact together on screen. So I just, mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. see more. But those are two of my favorite storylines right now is seeing oh, yeah. Yeah. his right. passion and loyalty, but also his, I'm going to kill every Lannister. <laughs> it's all kind of really sexy kind of a thing. But the uh, the interplay he does with Cersei, I think, is is really interesting because it's respectful, but he, you know, he respects her as her a mom. Her marrying Loris doesn't make sense because it's her second marriage and he's the first son of the house. He he would be the lord of, well, of where the Tarrells are from. So it's not like he can expect to make children with her. 
So why is that a good marriage on that that side of things? They want the connection with the Tyrrells, but it's not really... Nobody really, I don't think, well, expects Loris to make babies, though, honey. I think that's part of the <laughs> equation is that Cersei's age doesn't matter. Elena's well, they expected mentally. There, there was the whole argument about that last season is that um, basically what Tywin told Elena is this, you know, Elena didn't want the match. Yeah. But Tywin basically just said, if you don't agree to this match, I will name him to the Kingsguard. That's true. Remember? You're so right. It's You're not right. like it was their choice. It was basically saying, like, you, it would be Cersei, which has small chance for any kind of error, but uh, it, as opposed to preventing there from being any kind of, not only um, error from Loras, but also just Loras being able to go and be the Lord of a Keep or something. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, so, and but the other thing is, too, brothers. in the books, what's, what's very different about the whole situation is that um, Loras did become a member of the yeah. Kingsguard in the book. Um, before this point. And so that whole element of it was different. So that might be why there was perhaps more of a, a potential that there might be, um, you know, the, the connection between um, Oberyn and, and Cersei. Right. Because in the books, Loras has two bro brothers. He's got Willis, who is the first uh, son. Loras isn't a first son. And that makes a huge difference. Um, you never see Willis because he's, He's a cripple. Um, he fell off his horse. And um, and then Gylan, I think, it, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, but his other brother is also a warrior and everything. So they have like a line of succession and he can go into the King's Guard and it's all of this other stuff. So switching that all around to simplify it confuses mm. me a little just because I'm like, okay, but he's the first son, but... Oh, Okay, 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 whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've definitely changed up several elements yeah. of that. So, um, I mean, they have, they have yeah. already made it so that the way that it plays out in the books can't happen. So, uh, you know, anything that we specifically discuss related to that it might not apply to what's going to happen in the show anyway. Yeah. I, um... Oh. Just want to say goodbye to Nicole. She said she was heading home. I think um, the um, I did, and the thing about that scene, uh, she uh, Cersei had one of the probably the best. Or Lena Headey had one of the best line readings uh, or moments, character moments when she was talking when they were talking about you know we don't we don't hurt little girls in Dorne, and she says everywhere in the world they hurt little girls. I just love the way she uh, delivered that line. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was trying to get felt. to that earlier. That was super awesome, powerful. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's about the only time I've felt any. Yeah. That she wasn't that she wasn't trying to play somebody. That it sort of was was you know her psyche of being you know a woman and and in the in this world and and how she feels she's been treated and and the idea that uh yeah that, uh, i mean i think that there's a seed of sincerity and an arguable amount beyond that of of this is just a mom who's got three kids one's dead in front of her in her arms she then got raped at his feet 
and she's got a daughter that she doesn't think she'll ever see again because she's a ward of Dorne, and and she's got Tommen, who is a good, like she says, he's a good child, a decent child. You know, he'll probably be the first king in fifty years to deserve the throne, but sadly they didn't say crown. But um, but it was still like I think there was still some. There's loss there. I mean, you mm -hmm. you know, and it's. I think she definitely pushed it where she could, but I think in Oberon, one of the things that I liked about that scene so much is that they kind of found a common language, a common ground, where he basically, he basically gave her an oath that his her daughter would be okay, that she would he would make sure her daughter was okay, and I think that 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 is probably the only thing that she has to look forward to, other than nailing this thing with Tyrion and her mind closing the door on Joffrey's death probably the only way she can find catharsis with it anyways mm -hmm. well I, I agree with you for this scene you know I, I disagreed in terms of having any I guess warm or sympathy for her in the scene with Marjorie because I, I felt like she never had actually let her guard down in that conversation with Marjorie it was still all all manipulation, but here I I agree that I think that um, Oberyn was able to pierce that shell a little bit, and and there was some real um, emotion there. Like she was going to talk to him not about Marcella, but about the trial. But be Marcella naturally comes up just because of who he is, and uh, that I you know had her open up a little bit in a more real way. And so I definitely, I, I felt it there where I didn't in the other scene. Well, if, if I may, because my opinion is very different from what the show is presenting, I think from, from what we're used to from the books from Cersei, you know, and, you know, just seeing her despicable actions without really understanding why. And now we get a little narrative, but, you know, Chooch, what did you think of Cersei in those scenes where she was, kind of pleading you know you don't have you don't really have any inner workings of Cersei from reading the book so mm -hmm. what's your POV on her going to the people that she went to and saying the things that she said how authentic do you think it was um the discussion the first discussion with Marjorie um I thought like in the the facial expressions and the eye rolls there was one where she kind of did an eye roll and then it was like she was stealing herself because she's going to have to ask for help. And that seemed, I can see now with Christiana having said, you know, she was manipulating these people. I could see that being more calculated, but at the time I thought that was sincere. Just the fact that she's eating crow, at least for the family, if not any other reason. Um, and then, or at least for Tommen's future. And with the prince, I thought, yeah, she's, I, I didn't even think about like jockeying for Tyrion, but just that she was wanting to know yeah. that her daughter was safe. Cause I had been wondering for a while now, like, why is she still over there? If the war supposedly ended and there's no more danger, why isn't she yeah, that back? Well, she's not coming back. She was sent there to m marry the, the prince, not, not to be a temporary oh, war. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot that part. <laughs> so, um, yeah, as far as the idea of uh, 
I think you, the way you said it, Christiana, was that she uh, sort of maybe wasn't going into the conversation, maybe playing on the idea of daughters and, and, and that thing and sort of went that way because it, 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 you know, naturally led her that way. I, I do think it was, it was pre-planned to the effect of taking her to the, taking him to the end of the gardens and seeing the ship out on the water and saying, can you, take Oh, me well, that's, that? that's true. So, so that, that must've been part of the plan. Um, yeah, but I, I do, I do agree though. I think that she probably, I felt like she was opening up and, and being a little more honest than maybe she expected. Mm. Um, as the conversation went on, just again, by some of the acting and the way the lines were delivered, I, I sort of felt that, but um, let's move on. So unless anybody has anything else. Well, I guess just one last thought on, I think the reason why I, I still think of the scene with Marjorie as being different from the other two, where she's having a more honest conversation is that I don't believe for a second that Cersei actually wants Marjorie to marry Tommen. I think she is maybe trying to come to terms with the idea that she doesn't have any say in the matter and that it's going to have to happen, but she does not like the idea. So this idea of, oh, he's going to need more than a mother and this implication that maybe Marjorie is just the thing, I don't believe she believes that for a second. I think she thinks Marjorie is awful and I, wants her to leave, but knows that that's not a political reality. Agreed. Uh, let's go ahead and get a couple of quick scenes out of the way, which were for humor and filler, but uh, I think were probably, for me, the weakest scenes in the show, which were the two scenes with Podrick and Brienne. No um, way! What? <gasps> I want a 30 minute show of a sitcom or anything. I'll take anything of the two of them, like in an odd couple situation. Mm-hmm. I love those two together. They're adorable. Yep. I yeah. agree. Chooch. Oh yeah. 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 I love all the time they have together. And grump. <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm grumpy. Total grump. If, if I had a show uh-huh. of nothing but pod and Brienne mm-hmm. and the hound and Aria, and just go back and forth between the two of them, I would be totally happy. But then that would just be fan fiction. So. <laughs> no, and this whole, this I, just the couple of brief scenes they had was just such a great little character arc, story arc, you know, where she doesn't need him, she doesn't want him, she doesn't need a man and all that, and then realizes he needs me. He's never had any proper training. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And, right. And hey, you know, an extra pair of hands isn't too bad around the campfire. <laughs> yeah. So agreed. Yeah. Well, and, and that not just I, the extra. I, sorry, go I, ahead. No, I'm just out. laughing because y'all are y'all are all all correct. I, but I think the main thing with me was the 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 problems that I had were were more about that I couldn't get over was the idea that he couldn't ride a horse at all, <laughs> and the fact that he that lived in, in this. Oh yeah, it was funny. That the, that he lived in this world, and I don't care if you were working for Tyrion, all you did wine that you don't know that you have to skin a rabbit. Yeah, that was very <laughs> sad making. I hated that. So, I, yeah, I didn't that, mind that. And that made so every. And, oh come on, that's like saying I don't know how to pee outside. <laughs> I don't know how to skin a rabbit. You live in this world. Come on. But but in the books, Rob <laughs> is seen as pretty inept. 
And mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like, oh yeah, we'll give Tyrion a squire. Yeah, we're gonna give him Podrick Payne, Sir Illyn's uh, younger brother. He can't do anything right. So it's kind <laughs> of along those lines. And the other thing is, Brienne and Pod together, when I look at those scenes in the series, when I look at them in the books, it just re- makes me think of Duncan Egg, which is um, short stories mm-hmm. set in the world about a hundred years in the past. It's a very tall knight, and she's very tall, and a squire that doesn't have much information. I'm not spoiling anything, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I think I think George intended for there to be a mirror for Duncan Egg there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, so I I agree. I mean, the the I think what. Brienne's realization in this episode is is not that oh gosh I didn't realize it turns out that this kid that I thought was dumb is actually smart no she he <laughs> is actually a little dumb but what she does recognize is that he has other virtues for example loyalty and courage and uh, you know willing to work hard so even if he doesn't have certain experience with things um you you know just this idea that she tells him i release you from your oath. you don't have to follow me i'm telling you that it won't be fun and he continues to follow her anyway (laughs) and he's trying even though like like so she asks him to do things and he tries to do it even though he obviously doesn't know how he doesn't complain that, oh, I don't know how to do that. You have to show me. He just tries. And obviously it's not very effective, <laughs> but he does try anyway. He is trying hard and he, you know, he took down a Kingsguard when it mattered. You know, yeah. and that's that's not someone you just turn away just because they don't know how to do things. And so I, I think that I, I liked the uh, relationship between them. And, you know, just, uh, you know, as far as riding a horse, I mean, you know, if he's kind of a, you know, a city kid, but not, not especially highborn, I mean, not like he rides a horse all over the place. And it's like he points out with, uh, you know, certainly in his service with Tyrion, he wasn't riding any horses. And he says he knew a little bit from when he was little, but just hasn't had to do it in a long time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Any other questions? There's a, big difference. Okay. there's a big difference between riding a horse around like a, a, a pasture or a few hours a day or, you know, an hour a day or something and going on a long journey because he's riding all day long. And that is very different than being able to control a horse for just a short time. Danny showed us that in season one. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there was another reason she was walking (laughs) funny, but you know, it was horses too. There was much mounting going on. Yeah. I can, I can tell, I can tell you that, 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 um, riding a horse, holding the reins like this, you wouldn't, you would learn that not, not to do that in first, first, first day of riding. And, and he should, he should have remembered that, or at least Brian could have said, Hey, at least hold the reins the right way. But no, I, it was just something that bothered me. I, I definitely, I, 
I like the humor between them and I think that that has potential. I just, those, those little things bothered me and it made me not enjoy the scenes as much as, as, as you guys. So it's just me grumpy. So what can I say? Um, uh, we have we have a new uh, person that stopped by the the Q and A and uh, really don't have much to talk about with with Stannis, but I did want to point out that say hi and uh, welcome and uh, it's Viola and if that's I'm pronouncing that right, she said I'm a big fan of Stannis freaking Baratheon. <laughs> Am I the only one that is pissed at the show's portrayal of his awesome character? We need Stannis the Manus. <laughs> So, you are not uh, the yeah. only one. Dennis has a huge following. Yeah, really? I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I mean, I I'm, think so far what they've shown in the show, I think we've seen his power. We've seen what he's willing to do to use that power. I don't think anybody questions he's a badass at all, but um, he's he's never been a favorite character of mine. So it, I, 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 what do you think, Chooch? PG ladies. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he's different from the books, but I, yeah, I'm not a super Stannis fan necessarily from the books um, either. So I, I feel like it's, 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 it's not like I don't like the character. It's yeah. just that like, I'm certainly not rooting for him or anything. And so the fact think- that his character has changed some doesn't like bother me at all. Yeah. And I think the actor is doing a fantastic job of like executing the character the way that he is. Right. Like my only complaint with Stannis related stuff is just that I think they, um, you know, we talked about this, was it last week or maybe the week before, just that the, the timeline of what's going on with his, him is, is getting, you know, it's having to bend over backwards a little bit um, to fit yeah. with the other storylines. Cause basically there is just huge chunk of book three where we just really had no idea what he's doing. Yeah. And so they're having to kind of stretch that out and fill it in. And I think that's not entirely successful. Um, but that that's not a complaint about the portrayal of the character. I think in the books, yeah. Dennis is portrayed a little more like Ned and in the series, you know, honor and, and will uh, break before he bends. They always Very say wooden is how yeah. I would portray it. And, and in the series, he seems like he's a pushover in a bit. Like he's very controlled by the red woman. And it, it just, it feels very different to me, but I do know that there is a huge following among the book readers. There are some big Stannis fanboys and there are people who uh, believe that Stannis should be sitting the Iron Throne and that's how they want to see the series end. You're going to find, because the fans for this series are so plentiful, there is somebody who is hoping almost everybody ends up on the Iron Throne. I think the only one I've really (laughs) never run into is anyone who wanted Joffrey there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was going to say there's a whole contingent of people who want Victorian, which is, you know, oh, yeah. the book stuff. But I'm just at the same time, like I read those chapters and I'm like, really? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Really? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that gets into book only stuff that we haven't seen on the show yet. So yes, yes. you're away from that. But, uh, but yeah, I, yeah. it's certainly true that I guess there are people who are, rooting for Stannis, which I'm, I'm sort of like, 
I, you know, I will applaud any time he does something that's helpful for characters I like, you know, even just Davos who works for him. But right. I've still always kind of been like, I love Davos. And then I always kind of just want to pull Davos aside and say, Stannis, <laughs> really? Okay, okay. You know, you've got your mind made up. I still like you. But, you know, that's, that's my... <laughs> Yeah, I've always gotten the same uh, sort of what what uh, Nutty was saying is that that Ari's got the fe- the uh, the the sense that Stannis was Ned with his sense of honor taken to you know eleven, and that you know made him a, mo- a lot more obstinate and and uh, that sort of thing. But you know, as the books have gone on, at least have have gained a lot more appreciation for him. See. Um, as a character, and um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the portray on the show, though I, I think I think also correct is the idea that he's um, seems to be a little more, you know, tied because we get more of the point of view of that relationship of how he is uh, tied to the to the um, to Melisandre and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I always saw Ned Ned and Stannis's honor as as different like you know just going all the way down to alignment whereas i think ned was lawful good i think stannis is lawful neutral it's i don't feel like it's really honor so much as the rules he thinks people should play by the rules yeah i agree with that and so that's just you know that's that's my take so it never really seemed mm-hmm. like honor to me so much as just like well robert was king and i'm his next eldest brother so i should be king it's as simple as that and and so that should be the only thing that matters to anyone and therefore anyone who doesn't listen to me is just wrong and that's so that's how it always seems to me and less about honor because I because he's to, he's what's honorable about what he's doing with uh, Melisandre. He seems very controlled by her yeah. in the books, too. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, let's get back to the episode. <laughs> Thanks for the uh, for the comment. Villa. Um Let's uh, jump to the the other pair that I would much rather see in a in a sitcom. And that would be. Uh, Arya and the Hound. We have uh, one really short scene where it's just a, the the prayer list, um, which was was awesome, um, mm-hmm. with uh, a short discussion of of you know sort of tying it back to the prayer at the at the dinner when they're he just wanted to eat now he just wants to sleep and he just wants her to finish the damn prayer, <laughs> and then uh, you know they do have the short discussion about about. Uh, the mountain and what would what would what would they do or what would he do if the mountain was there he would tell him to shut the fuck up so he can go to sleep <laughs> uh but then she she adds his name to the end of the uh well she doesn't add it it was the, always uh, there uh, yeah but the idea that she put that as the the punchline the exclamation mm. point that and whether he had actually i mean have they um I mean, have they had a scene where he, she's done that before around him, and he noticed her name because uh, it was almost like it was sort of a sort of a surprise that I don't think to so. Like that she had she to explain it. That. Yeah, yeah. First um, time in my memory. 
Yeah, it's the first time we see it. I think in the books, Arya has a lot of internal dialogue about and struggle about whether to keep his name on the end of the list, considering he saved her life a couple of times. Like she struggles Mm -hmm. with that. So as I watched that that scene, I was with my baby sister who's read all the books as well. And we're watching and we're both just kind of sitting there like, she going to say it? Is she going to say it? Is she going to say it? And then she says it, and we both cheered for him. We're like, here we go. That's some sass. You say it, and you say it right in front of him. And she said it with her funny. back to him. She said it with no care, no fear, yeah. no concern. She was such a badass in that moment. And then the All look badass. on his face. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Did she just... Oh my goodness. Well, I Damn think it. that played into a lot of how he was treating her the next morning, too. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, moving to that he scene. Uh, he was good. <laughs> yeah, hurt his feelings and then she's he wakes up, thinks she might have taken off on him, but she was just down by the uh Aww. by the by the river by he the stream or whatever that needle, which we all needed to see again. Mm-hmm. I needed to see yeah. it again. Well, you needed to see it again, and then we got the the reality bites version of it, which is your friend's dead and Marin Trant's not, because yeah. Trant had armor and a big fucking sword. Yeah, <laughs> she needed to hear that though. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, that's what she needed to 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 learn is that you know the little the dancing and the little sword is is not going to help you survive this uh, this world you live in. You mm-hmm. better. And the thing is, Sirio. Especially with that last name, you know, well, you know, it, it's not it, in some ways it's not fair to for for the hound to be blaming Sirio for not teaching her that because, of course, they were interrupted. And the aspect that uh, the hound is ignoring when he's saying, oh, Marin Trent killed uh, killed this guy. Well, the problem is Sirio probably could have gotten away, but the whole thing was that he was buying time so that Arya could get away. He sacrificed himself right. to save her. And so it's not like he could he just was taken down, is that he was willing to fight in a way that knew he knew was probably gonna lead to his death because he decided it was a cause worth fighting for. And as opposed to running, which he probably could have gotten away if that had been his priority. Well, and again, his feelings were still hurt from the night before. Oh, yeah, I I agree. (laughs) What I was also, I guess, just going to follow up with, and I kind of got lost from it, was just the idea that even though Sirio probably would have eventually got around to teaching her how to fight someone who's not fighting like a water dancer, um. That is absolutely a lesson that Arya needs to learn because if she, I mean, she, she did not realize that her that needle was not going to just poke right through his armor. I, I I think she was sincerely surprised when it didn't work. Mm-hmm. I think he was yep. a little surprised that she actually tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that she was disappointed with that, with that much force. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, so, you know, even though he's obviously, you know, he taught it to her in a, a mean way, this is absolutely something that, sent, uh, that Arya needs to realize. You know, if she's thinking she's going to go kill all these people, he's just saying, you know, dancing around with your sword and not taking into account the fact that people are bigger than you 
better armored than you and better armed than you, you're just going to get yourself killed immediately. So that's what's that accomplish? Yep. So, um, did anybody else have anything on, on Arya and the Hound? Nope. If not, we will move oh, over just, to... Oh, just the, I, I want to echo what uh, Nutty said earlier, which is that if they had a whole show that was just Pod and Brienne and Arya and the Hound, I would totally watch that show. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say the same thing, just reiterating <laughs> what I said before. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so let's go to the what I thought was just fun and funny as funny as anything else was uh, the scenes at the Eyrie uh, seeing, oh my God. <laughs> seeing Peter squirm <laughs> and all that stuff. And probably one of the funniest moments in all of game of Thrones was her opening that door and pulling in the septum for a quick wedding. Oh man. <laughs> the look on his face was yeah. just priceless. But, um, so Hello, Chich, how about those revelations? <laughs> Oh, yeah. There were some revelations dropped, Chooch. What did you think yeah. of that? Well, the fact that that Crazy Town is really in love with them. I guess that's not, couldn't be too surprising because yeah. uh, he does have a silver tongue and she's batshit crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah the, the whole we already had our wedding night and when you convinced me to kill my husband, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she was telling about how she was she convinced Kat in a letter about Tyrion, and then he shuts her up. Oh, right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there was a, that was a lot of it. Well, she didn't say about Tyrion. She said about the Lannisters. I un- I think, unfortunately, I've, I've read well, several people who read more into what she said than, than she actually said. Because I, I've read people who thought that she said that she was also responsible. She and Littlefinger were also responsible for sending the assassin after Bran fell. Hmm. The assassin that tried to kill Bran when he was still unconscious. Yeah, I don't think she said that. She didn't, but yeah. I've read people yeah, who thought that. that she yeah. said that. Huh. And so no, I know she said like, that she wrote the letter like he told her. I know she didn't say that. <laughs> I, I'm saying that I think people misunderstood and thought that's what she was talking about. Perhaps they thought that because for so long, many people thought, well, whoever killed John Aaron is also the person that killed uh, or, or sent the assassin mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, that it's all tied into one thing. So having this giant revelation of, wait a minute, Lysa, who's sending this e- email, <laughs> sending this raven saying, yeah, I Twitter. think the Lannisters killed my husband and you we have to worry about this was actually the person that killed John. Like it, it John Aaron, like it, it's so mind blowing that I'm sure that a lot of people, it's going to take some time to process. Yeah. yeah. I know it did for me. Cause I'm like, when I read that chapter, which by the way, we don't find this out until uh feast for crows. And um, it, right. Really? I'm pretty no, sure. well, I think they, I think they moved it up just a little bit, but I think it was still in Storm, Storm of Swords. Well, I'm pretty sure it was Feast because not that it matters, mm. not that it matters, um, but because it's all at the veil when we find out. And mm-hmm. I just remember when I read that, and I was like, wait a minute, and I had to go back 
And I had to think and I had to say, okay, so wait, so she did this. Is this completely out of left field? And I had to re-examine everything that had happened before and then realize, no, this is not completely out of left field. It's just we, in the books, we're following everything from points of view. So of course, when we hear about Lysa, it's all from Catelyn's point of view. And Catelyn realizes, yeah, my sister's a little crazy, but you know, she's genuinely scared of the Lannisters. She has no idea that it's her sister would ever be in collusion. She, like she would never expect that. Um, and then for the series, I mean, people are like, I forgot about this chick. How is she involved? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean the, the idea that, that, um, you know, the whole reason or one of the main reasons that, you know, Ned is convinced to go to King's Landing, you know, he was about to turn down the whole request uh but mm -hmm. then finding out that that uh john aaron was was killed and that not only was he killed but that the mm -hmm. now they're saying the lannisters did it was um was sort of the impetus for all that and you know well why why would why would peter do that or want to do that and you know it's oh, like man, well we, just to get to get could, them separated maybe so that you know she can be a cat or what you know mm -hmm. get that out of the way so lots of lots of things to that uh that you have to think about through that uh there's question or you know that uh our robin nipple lord robin as i like to call him <laughs> uh referred to referred uh to peter as uncle peter um am i missing something here i i think that was just sort of the familiar you know someone that's always always around you call them you know uncle you know type mm. thing more than uh you know the idea that you know oh he's always around ah, that's my uncle uncle peter you know mm -hmm. not that it was literal uncle um type thing so their relationship uh, is close enough that he'd be more intimate than lord uh well he wouldn't have been a lord right before it would be more than you know whatever you would call Littlefinger before he became a lord. Um, but you have to come up with some sort of a name. Mm -hmm. Should we talk about what she means by we already had our wedding night? Um, what, one, one I brief think note. they'll probably tell us. I think we'll get more info from the show. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, okay. I, bet, I bet you they'll still talk more about it. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I do um, want to say something because uh, of Viola is is asking some very spoilery, spoiler-heavy questions in the Q and A. Yeah. Uh, just to let you know, Viola, this is a a non-spoiler show as far as uh, we talk about things in the books, but only in reference to how they are that on um, in things that they've already shown on the television show. So, right. Uh, Otherwise, very good questions, though. <laughs> yes, we yes, are on and, the and side of caution, though. Yes, so things things like that we we won't go into for for fear of uh, spoiling for not only Chooch who uh, is our <laughs> our uh, compatriot here who has not read the books past past the first book and then uh, uh, anybody that listens to the show uh, they like they like the idea that we we keep things uh, directly on what's happened in the, on the television show so far. Um, but back back to this. 
Go ahead, Christian. So there was an article on io9. First, it started just in in their recap of the episode, but then that got spun out to one of their comment of the uh, week um, articles that was basically a bunch of people who were just asking the question, is Littlefinger really outsmarting himself here? Does, does he really have all this planned out? Is this something where he's really this puppeteer who's orchestrating everything and how does that make sense because some of the things he's doing don't seem to really support all of that and so basically um i, I think ultimately the the biggest concern that the the people who are feeling like the plan didn't make sense just felt like if they thought that or so if i guess their their primary question was why would Littlefinger have John Aaron killed, presumably because he was going to expose the Lannisters' incest, if he would then help Ned find out that same information once Ned arrives in, in town? Why would he kill the one guy and and actually help the other guy do the same thing that he killed the first guy for? And that was their primary, the crux of their concern. Um but I don't, I don't know. So I, I feel like if we wanted to go into a deep discussion of what his plans and motives are, it would take a long time. But uh, I don't know how much you guys want to talk about it. But I can talk about it for a long time because Littlefinger is one of my favorite characters. And I think he's awesome. So. Unless he thought it would lead to Ned's death. or But I just assumed, took it for face value of his conversation with Sansa. Or was it Sansa? Just sowing chaos. You know, mm-hmm. Nobody knows mm-hmm. who you are if. Change yeah. things happen. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I, think I think it's. I was just gonna say. I think there's there's two things. Just what Chooch said about sowing chaos, and then the also that he's he's all about okay, improving my station, and so the idea of of getting, you know, knowing that uh, uh, Lysa loves him and that that he has that in if John Aaron's out of the way and able to be Lord of the Vale. Or at least, uh, uh, I guess Robin is officially Lord of the Vale. But the idea that he could have that position and uh, is is better than you know mm-hmm. than where he would have been before. So uh, yeah, sort of ties into there. And the idea of you know getting that out of the way eventually and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. didn't hurt. I'm sure. I, I, think, I think. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I just think that Littlefinger has multiple goals, and just because we heard. Part of the plot from Lysa doesn't mean that she has all of the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe for Lysa, she thinks that Littlefinger's goals were to kill John Aaron so that she no longer had to be married to him and she could marry again and she could marry Peter. Mm-hmm. And that to put the blame on the Lannisters was to basically help establish him and get him to a position so he could marry her and that everything was about her. Whereas in Littlefinger's side, I personally believe, and this is total headcanon and has nothing to do with spoilers because we don't, we don't get Littlefinger chapters. My belief is he wanted to help Ned get in trouble. So Ned could end up dead. So he didn't marry Lysa and he married the Tully that he actually wanted to marry, which was Kat. And then when Cat is killed, he's like, "Oh, I guess I got to marry Lysa now." But I 
still think that he has other motives and he has other plans and he definitely wants to increase his position. He wants to be more than just the Lord of the Fingers, which is a pathetic little uh, uh, township, which we don't see in the series. Um, and I think that he has higher aspirations, you know, as we said last week, if, if he could burn down the city and be the king of a, a pile of embers, he would do that. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. wants to be in charge. He's not going to be happy with just the veil. Yeah. He wants everything. Um, I think the. I think maybe part of where the confusion is 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 a little bit like what I was saying earlier in terms of because we got this big revelation. I think some people have conflated that to mean that he was responsible for all sorts of other things that are not actually directly related, like. Some of the people, the commenters in that one particular discussion were saying things like, if he loved Kat, why would he arrange the Red Wedding? And it's like, he didn't. He wasn't even in town. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he had nothing to do with that. Um, And in fact, that was probably the biggest blow to his other plans otherwise, Mm -hmm. you know, is that it because it takes one of his primary objectives off the table that was his hope that he might eventually be able to make something happen with, uh, with, um, with Kat. But at the same time, she, you know, we saw in their last meeting in season two that she was really not giving him even the time of day. Um, so he had maybe kind of figured that was not going to happen, but he wasn't, you know, he certainly wouldn't have arranged to have her killed. And in fact, so the whole red wedding thing was probably the the idea that they killed Cat too was not like part of the plan as much as it was just kind of how it went down. You know, the plan was to take out Rob and Cat happens to be there and put herself in a position where they it was easier to kill her than to not. Mm-hmm. Um so I I again it's like it, it's not like they said spare her it was just that she you know was not part of the objective so much as she just was you know there and got killed because it was a chaotic situation yeah because she was there i don't think i agree i don't think she was one of the targets for instance i I disagree i think tywin was still pissed that she locked up Tyrion and jamie Mm. i could i could see that i could see that i don't think he went that far because you know he's like well we got jamie we're good you know whatever um but i think I think that there were specific people that they wanted killed. They wanted Rob killed. They wanted the big lords of the North killed. They wanted Brendan Tully killed. Mm -hmm. Um, Missed him. (laughs) They missed him, absolutely. And they didn't want Edmure killed because they want to be able to control him. Yeah. And then she just happened to be there. No, I think she was a target. I think they would they that she, her name was definitely on Tywin's list because the one thing that we've heard almost every episode is that a Lannister pays his debts. Everybody knows that line more than they know the actual house words. That's true. Absolutely. Well, but they true. wouldn't have been able to control that though. No. I mean, they wouldn't have even been had any way of making sure that she was going to be there other than maybe yeah. just guessing that it was likely. Oh, and another target, of course, would be um, Rob's pregnant wife, mm. which is totally different in the books. <laughs> different wife, different everything. She didn't go. She wasn't killed. So that would definitely also be important because so far as King's Landing knows, Brandon and Rickon are dead. They killed mm-hmm. Rob. And if there's a baby, 
that baby then is Lord of Winterfell. Well, kill the baby, and all we have is Sansa. Sansa is going to hold Winterfell, and then we'll just give her to Tyrion. So, like, there, there was plans and machinations going on. Yeah, but I guess just to sum up what Littlefinger's plan is, I like we've talked about. There's a whole lot of just sowing chaos, and I I, I think he's just sort of thinking stability. Stability is bad because then the normal class structure limits what anybody can do. You know, whereas chaos is a ladder. You know, his whole thing there is that if he shakes stuff up, then he can just if he's prepared, he can take opportunities where they present themselves to change things up. And so I think a lot of the stuff that he's, it's not like it's some um, master plan where he's orchestrating everything and he's omniscient in some way. I don't think that's the case at all. It's more just a case that, uh, you know, uh, you know, he makes big moves and he has some objectives in mind, but he is going to basically just keep playing whatever cards he gets dealt next. And see what happens. Rely on the fact that he's better at thinking on his feet than other people. So let's get back to the Erie. And, uh, you know, first the, 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 I like the scene heading up the, uh, the mountain ridge there. Um, the idea of the bloody gate, uh, a little bit different in the books, uh, as far as like the, the approach to, uh, to the Erie, I miss the the donkey rides and the 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 the, the basket with the being yeah. pulled up, by, you know. And they shortened that, that up stuff. again this time. Well, yeah. it wasn't in there at all, I guess. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, but they uh, they get in. Um, they've got uh, you know the first meeting in the throne room with. Uh, with nipple nipple Lord Robin throwing the, the bird present out the moon door. I just love that little bit with the, with the, you know, he gets this present. Yeah. He's so excited. And then immediately just says, throws it right out the little door. Yeah. And, when he did uh, that, my baby sister is sitting right next to me. She goes, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Another little rich prick. She's like, yeah. I would be so mad if my son did that. <laughs> he what? can do no wrong. What I think's fun, though, about that, you know, of course, Lysa is not going to be mad, but I, I like to think that even Littlefinger's not mad because he has no real affection for the kid anyway. It's all just kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, he sees the kid do that and he's probably in his head. He's going, <laughs> what a little shit. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, <laughs> you know, so all he cares about is that uh, Robin likes him and calls him uncle Peter and says, Oh boy, a present, you know, so thinks of him as someone who gives him presents, uh, which is going to just make him easier to control. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> Lysa has her, I mean, she's just the ultra passive aggressive, the whole, uh, the whole time, um, with, with Sansa at first Dear there. Lord. And then later. Did we all pray for her in those moments? As Lysa got crazier and crazier. <laughs> well, are we talking about the the dinner scene later yet, or? Oh uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. But you know, even <laughs> before she was she was doing stuff in the throne room. But uh, mm. you know, uh, sending her off, um, uh, and then the the again mentioned the 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 approach to the wedding and the idea of first getting him to ha- having her. Uh, uh, 
you know, making her declarations and saying, I did all this for you. And he, she kisses her to shut her up. And then finally, you know, he's like, okay, let's do the wedding today. And then they jump right to the wedding. And then her declaration to the septum that, you know, <laughs> when my man makes love to me tonight, there's going to be some screaming. Yeah. And, and there, there was, was. <laughs> <Yeah>. poor Sansa. <laughs> And, and it's funny because it's it sounded like a loon at first, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I I also really liked his his bit though of you know very gently because he still needs her pointing out to you or her that's like well we both know that you did that but the only thing that can make that be a problem for us now is if you keep talking about it out loud so how about yeah. we both just remember that in silence yep I enjoyed that <laughs> yes. he's like yes. I need her but she's not as easy to control as her son um, <laughs> I, I want to point out for everyone that the screaming is completely from the books. <laughs> yeah. Is, in, in the books, isn't it. she yelling like, put a baby in me, put a baby in yes! me. <laughs> <laughs> it gets very graphic. It's even worse in the books and, and you're reading it from Sansa's perspective. So you're just mortified with her. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh yes and then uh but at least at least the next day uh she she bakes some and brings her some lemon cakes just for you nutty some lemon cakes for, <laughs> for, for sansa oh um, that, that scene was so great because it it starts was, off where she's actually being really nice and kind of sweet and sharing this you know this memory of uh, of Cat when she was young, and, and they're sharing a moment. And Sansa's really just starting to go, oh, maybe, maybe at last I <laughs> I found someone who's got my back here. You know, family, right? This won't be so bad. Uh, and then, and we just it's a reminder that you know you you never get what you want on this show. Anytime you think you're about to get something that you wanted it's going to turn out to be horrible in some way. Um, <laughs> just like, Oh, well, we just want some, some, some family to be reunited. Well, er, you know, <laughs> turns out she's crazy. See the critical distinction here that I think Sansa learned in this episode is that crazy and stupid are not the same thing. Yep. Lysa is crazy not stupid yep. and so she absolutely sees the absolutely real uh um inappropriate affection that uh peter has for sansa and she's absolutely right even though sansa is still not completely aware of that but she's just <laughs> she's crazy about it and so that's makes you know People who are crazy and smart are some of the most difficult possible people to deal with because <laughs> you cannot, you, you, they, you can't rely on them to be reasonable, and yet you also can't fool them with easy lies because they'll they'll realize what you're doing. So, 
Absolutely. And the other thing that we see in the scene is Sansa's biggest skill, and that is survival. What does she do when, when Lysa starts going crazy? She's just, no, he loves you. She tells her everything she knows she wants to hear. She, she doesn't even sit there and think about it. She doesn't do anything, but go straight into survival mode. And yeah, Joffrey trained her well, didn't he? She didn't even miss a beat. The the book readers, some people um, can get down on Sansa because they say she's weak, she's passive, she's easily manipulated, yada, yada, yada. But the biggest uh, thing that I say back to them is, yeah, but she's alive. <laughs> you know, she's survived. And so she definitely does have a skill and she learns as she goes. It takes her a while to learn. But mm-hmm. this is when when you go back through the books and you reread it you start to see that survival instinct a little bit more, I think. And I just love this scene because I'm like, there's Sansa surviving all up in that place. (laughs) I think a lot of people just can never let go that there was a point where Sansa liked Joffrey. There's that too. Yes. So I think that, uh, you know, obviously she, she learned to her own despair later how awful he was. But there was a point where we knew how awful he was, or at least saw the potential for it. Um, but she was still defending him, and so I think a lot of people just can never let that go. They're not willing to ever forgive her for that. That's that's yeah. my perception of and it. The, yeah. <laughs> they were yeah. going to be like Florian and Jonquil. Oh God! But then we had again another one of the reality bites moments is her realizing that you know we she may have sensed it before, but fully realizing that maybe Tyrion is about the only person that's had her back, you know, mm-hmm. and Actually protected her, or helped her, ever cared about her, you know, from right. since since she got to King's Landing. So oh, but that yeah. moment where she's just like. She's she's in tears, but then eventually, when Lysa decides she believes her, and they're <laughs> hugging, she's she's kind of so relieved at a moment, but then it's kind of like, oh, and and then um, as soon as Tyrion is dead, you can marry Robin and be Lady of the Vale, and then you just see her open her eyes and go, oh, what God. the oh fuck? no oh no, yeah. <laughs> poor Sam. Marrying cousins is what all the rich people do. Oh. Not good. <laughs> not what you want to hear you know they are straight up cousins i mean like literal actual real first cousins y- yes right. yes, so. <laughs> yes absolutely yes and and from from indications he appears to have stopped breastfeeding but i guess sansa will know better than any of us someday. he was sitting up there in her lap in the same posture but we didn't see any actual breastfeeding Dang. this time yeah <laughs> yes. hopefully she's hungry. We'll see. saving all of that for peter now <laughs> Ew. I, I meant boobs. I didn't mean milk. Ah, <laughs> uh, moving on. Oh my. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the, the just jumping back one note I had was just the idea of the passive aggressive uh Lysa. Like like you were saying, Christiana, you know, she starts out with this nice story about about cat and eating and, but then it just gets like this ultra passive aggressive, even just talking about that, about how, you know, even before she gets to the, like the, this, you know, going after Brandon, the sweetest thing, but just the idea of the way she was talking about Catelyn, that you could tell she was just the jealous, 
younger yeah. sister and and just you know it just got darker and darker as it went along but uh, mm-hmm. and then she's talking about you know we know that peter has absolutely nothing to do with his women at his you know whorehouses and she just mm-hmm. has it in her head that he he is you know does all these vile things to these women and then you know Sansa, so what has he done to you? What did you, you know? Well, see, the thing is, again, it's it's that whole crazy, not stupid thing. Is that I think so? She sincerely loves him, but I think that there's a part of her that can sense that he doesn't really love her. She tries to convince herself that he does, but I don't mm-hmm. think she's entirely successful, and that's part of why she's so crazy jealous about it. Mm. But she, I mean, she even said, you know, the idea that, uh, that Peter loved your mother, you know, not me, you know, even, even that she knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She knew, or, yeah, understood that, that she's, she was smart enough to understand that it wasn't, it was wasn't an her interesting that he wanted. So little detail that they just threw in there that, you know, is, is certainly exactly what happened, but it's just a reminder that we haven't thought about in a while, which was that technically Pat was originally supposed to marry, not Ned, but Ned's brother. Right. And that's who she was in love with before she actually married Ned. And, you know, she came to love Ned, but uh, that wasn't who she was in love with prior. Right. Uh, so any other thoughts about the Erie before we go beyond the wall? Okay. So we have, uh, the last, I guess it was almost 15, eight, I don't know, 20 minutes of the <laughs> show was, uh, the scenes, uh, uh, at Craster's yeah, keep. Some messed up stuff uh, going on. Yeah. But the idea that you have, uh, first lock, who's new uh, to the group and he's sort of the scout going in to survey the, uh, the situation. Um, Although I discovers, sorry, it was an interesting detail. I think that, um, I mean, we know of course that he has an ulterior motive and probably would have volunteered to be a scout, but it seems as though that wasn't even really the plan. It was like, you know, when he comes back from his little scouting mission, they're like surprised. It's like, Oh, you're you're back. We didn't realize that you had <laughs> yeah. gone off to scout. <laughs> yeah, much. Yeah, you don't get the or at least an understanding of what led up to that. But yeah, he's he's scouts out the camp, uh, finds uh, Bran and and the rest of them uh, mm-hmm. in the in the hut. Comes up with a good story to keep uh, John from from discovering them or knowing about them. Um, you know, saying there may be hounds in there, so we should, yeah, we should, uh, uh we should I was gonna say not, not call it a good plan, but you know, yeah, well, you know, at least came up with a story, uh, but the idea it that was, was plausible, yeah, getting, getting to the point of, you know, we don't want to, uh, alert them, so we need to stay away from these, from these dogs, mm-hmm. whereas there really was no surprise, they just, charge in roar, as they go yeah, in yeah. and you know well it's and like I, there I, was no <laughs> i i think the um maybe my my concern was that it was just a plan that wouldn't hold up to scrutiny 
that there would be suspicion later once they realized, hey, even if they take out all the other guys. So where are these dogs you were talking about? But then I guess what I realized is that his, he was not planning to be sticking around that long. He was thinking yeah, by the time was, anyone yeah. would find out that that was not true, I'm already going to be gone. So, right. um, so that's why I guess it was not a problem the way he was planning to actually go about things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he come, but before that, he comes. A lot comes back. It says how many people are there. Um, they they have their plan of going in at night. Um, cut to um, discussion between Bran and and Jojen and everybody just about. Uh, you know, Jojen looks sick. You know he's coughing. Oh, man, he's looking he's rough. Getting water. He's looking rough. And Jojen's pretty much like, you know, Bran, don't. When it comes to all this, it doesn't matter. You know, it's you that needs to get to this tree, and and what happens to us doesn't matter. We're just trying. You know, our job is to get you there. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a vision of the tree, the great weirwood tree on the hill. Um, and then he has, you know, oh, it's a cool vision. The, just yeah, the, like the, the, the effect the, of, of his visions of just, you know, it, you, you can see that he's, he's, he's starting to, to slip a little bit, you know, like in terms of, you know, is he seeing what's really there or is he seeing the vision and it's right. ending a little bit for him? Yeah. Cause you know, he starts by like, you're not here. And even Mira is like, what do you mean? <laughs> you're like you're not making sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so yeah, he's not looking good. That's it's kind of alarming. <laughs> no, and the the vision of the burning hand uh, doesn't doesn't bode doesn't well help. for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because yeah. it's it's a little ominous when he's essentially saying like, "Oh, I know that I'm not going to die here." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, what does that mean? <laughs> Two feet to the left. Especially since our, especially since our last uh, vision of fire was uh, Melisandre talking to Davos's son, talking about how fire is a good way to die. Um, so yeah. yeah, but uh, it sounds like something the Lord of Light would say. Yeah, uh, someone who's on fire. Exactly. <laughs> or a bunny that are. Yep. Um, but. They cut to, uh, or they I'm, talk I'm about. I'm sorry, this um, is a total tangent, but I just had a vision of someone being burned at the stake and yelling through the flames. Totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Best way to die. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm sorry. so um, <laughs> yes, while while they're uh, I guess approaching on their attack. Uh, uh, Carl shows up in the in the tent with a couple of his men uh, to do bad things to uh, Mira. Mm-hmm. Um, Jojen tries to stop him uh, by telling him of uh, of the vision uh, that he has visions. Uh, Carl sort of scoffs at that, but then says, "Oh yeah, I see you dying." Yeah. Real soon, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did a great job of distracting him because I was afraid that we were about to have a really horrifying scene with Mira, and I was already grateful that there weren't any more boob counts because I would not have been happy to have counted Mira's raped boobs. Violating her guts. Cheers again to you for that, PG. I love that new role. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially just given that this, um, you know, because they never went 
here in the books. It, right. it, it, it wasn't a question of like, oh, well, we know she doesn't get raped in the books. So she's safe because we, had, we don't know this yeah. the whole thing was different. But I, I agree 100 percent that I'm really glad that um, that they were able to stop it before it went too far. Just especially since this season's been a little, <laughs> yeah, a, a little closer to the line than we'd like um, yeah. uh, yes. on that score. So I'm glad that uh, it was stopped sooner than that. <laughs> and and agreed yes. that. Jojin was really kind of just more buying time than anything else because yeah. he knew mm -hmm. that something was coming eventually, but it didn't necessarily mean that he was going to present prevent bad things from happening in the meantime. So he's just trying to like. <laughs> I, I I will admit that I laughed at the bit where he's saying, "I've got the sight, I see things," and yeah. I was just like, "Oh, well, that sounds useful." Yeah, <laughs> and it's just kind of like it's like no, I mean things that haven't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it was so horrible. Really and I think I think also uh, more to the point we we haven't delaying like you said, um, but this was also another scene where I kept saying, "Bran, jump into Hodor, Bran, yeah. jump into Hodor." And he didn't jump into Hodor at that point. I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity and. Oh, we'll get that later. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, John and everybody arrives, unless there was something else we wanted to mention. Yeah, I was you. just thinking we could, you, you were saying we could get that later, but I'm kind of, kind of really the next thing that happens, right? Yeah. So, yeah, John arrives, and uh, um, while they're attacking the main force, Lox comes over there, sort of mm. does the end around and gets there, and, uh, Discovers real fast uh, which one is Bran by cutting his leg. And, uh, yeah. oh, and uh, see, the thing is, yeah. if Locke wasn't in such a hurry, mm -hmm. if he wasn't it, such it a dick, worked. yeah. I mean, he's a the dick. Thing was, they, they were saying, You're with John, and they're all happy. And it was only when he goes, You're Brandon Stark. And they're all like, Wait a minute. Why does that matter so much all of a sudden? <laughs> Um, yep. that's, you know, that's when they were tipped yeah. that, that there was something wrong with him. Otherwise they might've just said, well, I suppose Jojen and Mira would have been tipped to it when he unties Bran and carries him away without helping anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> they would have right. said, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, there's yeah, he's, that. Like, <laughs> he's like, I want to make sure I'm untying the guy I want to untie because yeah. I don't want anybody else running out to get help. Yeah, and I don't really feel like I don't know why he didn't just kill everybody and then grab him, but I guess that would have taken right. too much time. But um, yeah. so he he throws him over the shoulder. Jojen and uh, Bran share a look, which obviously told Bran, "Hey, it's time to warg into Hodor." Okay. Uh, and then uh, um, you know, he does that, and uh, uh, Christian Nairn gets to have a little fun without. You know, I know, right? Completely, uh, completely, you know, Hodor. Yeah, <laughs> passive and sweet. Yeah, he got to kick some ass, like break some neck and shit. Oh man, no, I just like, you know, I'm. This is, you know, if there was ever a time when your hand is forced and you have to do something like this, it yeah. was this time. But yeah. at the same time, I thought they did a good job, um, especially his performance afterwards mm -hmm. of. Oh, driving yeah. home that like this is like 
this is not really an okay thing to do. No. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, it, it's like, it's one thing to say they had no other choice and this was life and death and it was, you know, it was urgent. There was really no other option right now. But at the same time, just, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, Davos arguing to Stannis that he shouldn't use the magic to win yeah. the kingdom, right? You know, it's kind yeah. of like if you're really in a position where you have to use things like that to accomplish your goal, you should maybe be thinking about whether your goals are the right thing. Right. Which is, you know, again, I'm not going to say Bran is turned to the dark side here exactly as much as he's realizing there is a dark side that he, there's absolutely room for abuse in. And even if we want to all say that maybe this time it was necessary but where where do you draw that line exactly? Where do you stop saying that it's okay for him to take you know, Hodor's you, body without his consent and make him do horrible things that you know he would not be okay with? Well, well first and, you have to believe that what Bran believes, which is that Jojen is right and that his his constant going back to the three-eyed raven and the tree and all that stuff that's not just something that's in his head jojen is reinforcing it and helping mm -hmm. him and just told him moments before the rest of us don't matter you have to get to that tree no matter what mm -hmm. happens to us you have to go so he had just had that pep talk and you know you're right i mean christian nairn did an amazing performance afterwards where he's looking at literally the blood on his hands and he just is horrified at what he's done, but then he mm -hmm. also immediately does what Bran says. Yeah. So it was really, it, it was a tough scene to watch, but I thought that it was pretty fucking awesome too. In in the books, um, they go a little more into the warging and how, you know, Jojen is encouraging Bran to warg, but when he warged into Hodor that first time, everyone was surprised. And then there are a couple of scenes where he wargs into Hodor again, and Jojen's like, you can't do that. Number one, it's freaking Hodor out because he is conscious when you're in there. And number two, it's, it's not right and it's not fair. And we're not getting so much of that in the show. But what we have in the show is... Uh-oh. Oh, no. But Hodor's completely conscious. Wait, whoa, 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 Nutty. Total cliffhanger. We, we lost what? a little bit of what you were just saying. Yeah. Oh, where'd you lose me? Um, <laughs> that's a big cliffhanger. What we're getting in this episode is... That's what we're okay. saying. So the, books, the books have these episode. things, but then we got... Yeah, sorry. So the books have the other things, and when he wargs into Hodor in this episode, it it's so different because not only is Hodor freaking out because he's being warged, but he's now murdering people and Hodor is such a gentle creature that mm -hmm. even though it's self-defense and it needed to happen, Hodor could never do that on his own. His mm -hmm. own free will would prevent him from doing that. I mean, he's getting beaten up by these men and he's, he's a giant. He could kick their butts at any minute, but mm -hmm. he doesn't because he's so gentle. And so to be forced to do that and have his free will taken away, mm -hmm. it's so much more severe. So as I'm watching that scene, I'm like, yes, finally, Bran, you're in it. And then I realize, oh, no, Hodor's going to have to kill these people. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. And then he's doing it. And in my head, and, and I'm screaming to myself, I'm like, no, this is just as bad as watching Hodor get beat up. 
Mm. And so it was very, it was very emotional. I, I empathize with Hodor. I, I feel very much for him. So watching <laughs> this was very hard for me. Mm -hmm. um, but it does push that point that, <coughs> excuse me, not only is warding into a human bad, but now you've irreparably changed Hodor and you've given him a traumatic event that he's never going to be able to get over. Mm -hmm. I had and, no idea he was conscious during the war game. So I was just thinking it's a dick move by Brandon not cutting himself free and turning Hodor around and telling him to go and making him see that. Yeah. Right. So did you get from this episode that Hodor's conscious no. or did I just spoil not that? Not at all. Oh, well, okay. I don't know that they're going to really, I mean, they can't yeah. really go into it in the, quite the same way. I, I don't think so. I'm not sure if it's really a spoiler, but. Um, well, I don't think it's a spoiler. I just think yeah. what but I it, mean is like I divulged it. It got across it, the dick move or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the, the other aspect of it, too, that, you know, as Viv pointed out, that we also have to remember that how high the stakes are. You know, it's not even just life and death for them right there in that situation which you, you might even say that would be enough, but it's also this larger thing of the, the white walkers and the three eyed Raven and all of this stuff and saying it's that important that brand get there. But it just really does raise that question sometimes of, you know, you, you might have a goal that is su super important and larger than yourself but at what point do you stop being able to say that the ends justify the means? Right. So um, we had that going on while John and the rest are, are fighting the, the main battle. Uh, but then uh, as actually more people are killed on screen than actually should be in the entire area, uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, we had, we had Carl end up in the, um, same tent as, uh, John mm -hmm. and John sort of comes again, this reality bites, uh, theme that was going on is the idea that John comes to understand that, uh, fighting with honor or fighting the way that he was trained to fight isn't really going to serve him real well when it comes to fighting against uh you know the wildling horde or people like uh carl who uh don't fight with honor so uh yeah he 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 they fight he is basically saved by one of craster's wives who mm -hmm. plunges a knife into uh carl's back and then we have the uh the um, the creative death of Carl with uh, yeah that was badass with uh, <laughs> long, with Longclaw that was the same girl that was chained at his feet that he was beaten up in the last episode yeah. while he was drinking that blood mm -hmm. out of Mormont's skull so she mm -hmm. I I fucking loved that she got to do that yeah. and then she got to see the sword come through his face that was <laughs> so beautiful <laughs> what what I liked I think that you know it it goes it's not more than that, but it's tied in with that is not only did she help in, and in, in that sense and get at least some, some measure of, um, uh, you know, vengeance against him and but, having saved herself too. Yeah. Well, right. But, but also, but also the fact that the women at the end decline mm -hmm. 
the 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 brother the night's watch you know helping Protection. them basically just saying we are sick of people abusing us while telling us that they're what they're doing is protecting us right and it doesn't matter that you say you're different because everyone says they're different well, I mean, it came back a couple of times in this episode where Cersei said that thing about all over the world, people hurt little girls. Mm -hmm. All of those mm -hmm. wives, except for the Omega wife, whatever happened to her, probably <laughs> in some form or another were related to him when he did all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I think you read that pretty clearly, pretty well. They're done with men at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mega wife. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I can just wife, say, I don't know. Bottom bitch. First wife. Alpha. <laughs> First wife. Uh, if I can just say, um, the scene with the sword, I'm watching it with my baby sister, and she sees it and she starts hiding her face. And she's like, that's horrible. I'm going to have nightmares. Oh, no. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, my God, that is so beautiful. Yes. <laughs> I was like, so that is beautiful. It could have looked so <laughs> cheesy, but it looked so good. Yeah. And I was just, it was awesome. And, and I do want to add kudos to John for giving the ladies a choice. Yeah. Because that yeah. doesn't happen in Western. Yeah, he didn't say, come on, let's go. I mean, there were only like a dozen of them anyways. I think there were more wives and daughters than there were Night's Watch. Totally. Um, but so, like, the only other thing that I kind of still have left in this episode is just sort of recognizing that we got what is probably closest to one of the only possible reunions long-awaited that we could have ever gotten that we could hope for that could actually work in some <laughs> way and yeah. not turn horrible, which is John has ghost back. Yay. Yay. And what did ghost fill up on right before running into John? <laughs> Rest. 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 <laughs> he was apparently running around in circles. Cause he, yeah, he laughed. And, well, and I think, yeah. I, I think it would have been really cool if he'd come up with Rast's hand or something like that. So they'd all know. <laughs> See, I, I kind of assumed I, I had almost wanted it to be Rast runs farther away and then gets taken out by a white Walker or something. But, you know, I guess it works OK. Well, for ghosts hey, maybe Ghost left him alone with his intestines hanging out or something. Maybe there's a heartbeat. Maybe they, it's, this could be fun yet. Stop trying to cheer me up, Viv. I'm trying. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, what happened was uh, Ghost just knocked him down and then pulled out his canteen and poured out water on the uh, snow right in front of Rouse. Gotcha. You then know, I got he hit him. I got to say, I was really scared with where you were going to go with that, Holyfield. I'm grateful that you went with canteen, so thank you for that. <laughs> no, but yeah, so... Um, yeah, was there anything else anybody want to talk about? Yeah, you did have the the moment uh, of possible reunion between Starks, oh, uh, right, which yeah. which mm. you know did not happen. Uh, which you know, you just gotta uh, hope that Jojen's not full of shit. You know, because Brandon <laughs> is lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he he walked away He's from my brother. He talked away from walked away from Osha Asha Osha right Osha. And now oh, he's sure. walked away twice with John, like 10 feet fucking away. And yeah. it's like right there, you know, you know, they'll, 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 they'll better be telling the truth. The big weirwood, weirwood tree and, um, Bran will touch it and nothing will happen. And 
Yeah. Like, oh, maybe it was at the South Pole. Yeah. Or it'll be like Idiocracy, <laughs> where they spend the whole movie trying to get to the time machine, and it turns out being a carnival ride. <laughs> Just that. <laughs> Uh, Sheriff Bullock uh, with speaks of Nutty having issues, uh, saying that he said he said uh, that was me trying to warg into Nutty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> while you were having trouble. It, it sounds like Nutty is still having troubles, though. She says in the chat that um, uh, she just wanted to say, even if John doesn't get to see Bran, at least he gets Ghost. It was such a great yeah. scene in the book, too, even though it played out differently. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. And my. Mike uh, McCauley says, didn't Bran see Jon Snow? Yes, he saw him, but we were more talking about the actual reunion between the two. Yeah, uh, they didn't get to interact. I gotta say, I I think I kind of have to point out, because I don't think PG will recognize it, to totally throw a tangent in here. Mike McCauley's rocking a Depeche Mode avatar (laughs) in the Q&A. See that D-M? PG, that stands for Depeche Mode. I just thought, uh, I thought it was for uh, direct message. No. I, I thought it was for dick move, Mike, actually. <laughs> um. Don't you say that about him. <laughs> um, just on the note, though, of uh, the decision that Bran <laughs> makes, um, as hard as it was, I think that it really was probably right because I, I do think that if if John actually did get to see Bran, I don't think that he could be persuaded at least right away that Bran needed to keep going. Yeah. Even if they were able to talk more about it right. later, John would insist that they come back to Castle Black first. Yep. And the then only, after that, yeah. who knows what ha- would happen. The sole remaining family member, right. it would be hard for him to see all that Bran has been through. Because Bran actually has made choices that full-grown adults have had to make as a child. Uh, just even in this episode, it's like really mm-hmm. mature decisions that Stannis and, and Joffrey and everybody else had a bunch of people counseling him. Bran just has a giant and, you know, two kids with him. Mm-hmm. So, pretty impressive shit. Yeah. So, did anybody have anything else they wanted to bring up from the episode? Chooch, was there anything that you Um, wanted to mention from last week? I don't think so. This week. You were great about throwing in my notes. Oh, did you like the line that I I had a note on Carl's line uh, when he was with John inside and they were doing their little sword fight? <laughs> um, he said that we were free men, and that line struck me as so fucking offensive because they killed the guy that owned the house, they stole his food, they were raping, raping his wives, raping their daughters, mm-hmm. killing, doing anything they wanted, not paying any regard to the food st- food stores for mm-hmm. the future. And there's no way those women had time with all the raping that was going on to go and do the fields or whatever else they did to survive. Yeah, it's very short-sighted. So glad he's you know. dead. Oh. <laughs> it's like that old fable of the ant and the grasshopper and yeah. the grasshopper saying it's so great to not have to work for anything during the summer Yeah, mm-hmm. just rape all the women uh, all summer long that would have been a much darker version that. of that story that sounds like the <laughs> definition of freedom there uh, Viv uh, mm-hmm. yeah we're going to have a talk next time I see yeah. you when we field wear a cup <laughs> I just you know Killing the house, killing the guy, taking his house. Hey, that's freedom. 
<laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. There you go. <laughs> uh, let's see. Sheriff Bullock says, I had a Game of Thrones dream the night the post. Excuse me. I had a Game of Thrones dream the night post viewing this episode. I fought Locke. He was more skilled with a sword than I am, so than I. So I grabbed a torch and lit his hair aflame. He fell down screaming, and his skull melted. Just thought I'd share. Mm. So thanks. <laughs> thanks, like, thanks for sharing. Uh, doesn't fight with honor either. <laughs> that, or at least okay. not. You know, it's like they're un, un, uneven, evenly matched there. <laughs> so I'm not criticizing Sheriff Bullock. So uh, how about? Overall rating. How about ratings? What do you think, Chooch? Ratings. Um, I actually took a bunch and had a bunch of ideas, and I don't know that I decided which to go with. Um, I'm going to go with a six out of ten royal eye rolls. Oh, okay. Hey, that's good. Oh, Uh-oh. did we lose Nutty? <laughs> uh, oh well. Maybe so. Christiana. Um, I'm going to say nine out of 10 names on Arya's list. <laughs> oh, very good. Nutty, are you back? Nutty, what's your rating? Are you muted? Ah, or? My rating. Ah, <laughs> no, no, no. I just, it keeps going in and out of Cylon. I'm <laughs> going to give this episode. Uh, the suspense is killing me. I know, right? I want to check mine out. Go ahead, Viv. Since we can't hear nothing. Uh, you nutty. didn't hear it? No, no. you're just, no, like, you just completely faded out. Oh, the suspense. Type it in the chat. Yeah, I did. 7.5 out of 10 dropped calls. There we go. Oh, Wow. Okay, Viv. Uh, one and a half out of two covered Lysa titties. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you went with that. There you go. Well, you guys left me the the um, you know softball pitch here. So eight out of ten uh, swords through uh, Carl's head. Yeah. So. The the other one I was considering, but I think it's it's really more future stuff than now, which would have been uh, 9 out of 10 uh, sand snakes. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, my, my other one was going to be uh, birds flying out of the moon door, but... Uh, <laughs> yes. but Mine was always going to be about Lysa's titties being covered. I was so <laughs> happy. Linda is so working at me. Recovered. She thinks it's that time. Yes. <laughs> I had flaming bunnies and had, dead so, mutineers. Real, real quick, uh, we had our contest last week. We do one every week. There's a uh, survey on uh, specficmedia.com. Uh, go to the go to the previous audio episode. You'll see a link. Um, you'll also go if they, if you go to the main podcast link, which is you know at the top menu. Uh, you'll see a link to the survey there. Um, we asked two questions. The the questions last week were how many mentions or sightings of uh, Crown in the episode, and then the other one was deaths, on-screen deaths in the episode. Uh, Crown, there were two. There was the sighting of the Crown, uh, and then Tywin says the word Crown uh, in his little speech with uh, Cersei, discussion with Cersei. Uh, if there were other mentions of Crown, 
that anybody remembers, let me know. But otherwise, uh, there were two. <laughs> for as for on-screen deaths, um, it was you know pretty much named. There were eleven um, mutineers, and then after the fight, they said there were five dead. You know, mm-hmm. John's five including men, Locke. yeah, including Locke. Uh, but they actually at least death blows on screen. There were eighteen. So really? instead of 16, <laughs> you would think of, yeah, they actually had wow. that uh, I could count. So they, they had uh, a couple extra. Count, um, deaths. Uh, we got uh, some good knock- um, ratings yeah. in the, uh, in the um, oh, Q and a, yeah, well, let's go ahead and say them. I'm, I'm looking at something else. Here, okay. So. so Mike McCauley <laughs> says eight out of 10 moon doors. Mm-hmm. Bullock says yep. 7.5 out of 10 eerie shattering <laughs> orgasms. <laughs> That's eerie or eerie. Great. Nice. Both it. good ones. Great uh, plan words. Yes. Um, so if that uh, those numbers are correct, which we're saying they are correct, 18 deaths and <laughs> two, two crowns. Um, let's see. Uh, Is the contest chooch. still fun now, PG, now that you're doing all the counting? I don't mind. <laughs> Chooch is doing doing audio, so I'm I'm fine with this. Um, Chooch almost had it perfect. He had 15 deaths, Mm. whereas everybody else had seven, five, or three. Um, So 15 deaths, and then he got the crowns directly correct with two. Wow! Uh, Everybody else had went above two. Mm-hmm. Um, with five, seven, seven, and then Biv thinking there was just going to be a big old discussion of crowns. <laughs> Everybody was going to be wearing a crown for some reason. They were just passing the crown around and putting it on people's were, heads. There were there was there was a lot of places they went. There could have been talk about crowns. <laughs> I read the description for the true. episode. Well, just think how many yeah. more times it would have been. Word. Yeah, well, because there were lots of times where they talked about. Sitting the throne, or yes. if they had just said wearing the crown instead of sitting the throne or whatever, See? there would have been. I don't want. What the uh, what? Well, you said fifteen, girl. I know. Anyway, <laughs> so, so next episode, the name of the episode is the Laws of Gods and Men. Yes. Uh, so what do you think we should do? I think it'll be a. Uh, death light episode, or do you want to go without a description? <laughs> IMDb. Well, yes, no. Yeah, go ahead and read it. I was just going to say it for memory, but go ahead. Okay, it says um, Stannis and Davos set sail with a new strategy. Danny mm-hmm. meets with supplicants. Tyrion faces down his father in the throne room. Hmm. I was thinking how many times to say court or trial, but that may be difficult since it looks like this will be the trial episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we could certainly go with uh, you know number of times the word trial is, but there that's probably a lot. Um, it looks like we get to see Bravos though. There were in the, yes. uh, the preview showed some stuff of it. What if we could do scenes that we get to see him on a boat? <laughs> on a boat. I'm on a boat. <laughs> um, since it looks like Stannis is going to be going to the bank, I thought, uh, how many times they say gold? Uh, well, that's yeah. good. I like that one. Gold. Okay. Use of the word gold. Gold. Um, There's gold. And maybe <laughs> named character deaths. There ain't so. no gold in them are Lannister Hills. Let's, let's <laughs> get away from Deaths this episode because okay. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot. Um, hmm. 
let's go with something trial related. Uh, law or guilt or mm. um, chains. Mm. Chains. Let's do. Um, I got nothing. All I could do is read the description. Let's do. How about murder? <laughs> or poison? You're really or... selling it with the facial expressions. I gotta <laughs> say. I think we're all tired. Poison? Anybody up for yeah, poison? We're all tired. Luna's getting impatient with me. I'll second poison. <laughs> It'll be a surprise. Gold PG will think of like that. Say poison. PG will poison. post Gold a poison. survey. PG will come Gold up with poison. a survey and put. Po- What'd you say? Golden poison. Golden poison. Oh my god, I thought he said golden pussy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we oh, we're not we counting boobs now. But now we're around. counting vaginas. <laughs> nature's pocket. Oh, you know. Na- nature's pocket. Uh, <laughs> Viv, you know that is book five material, and we are not a spoilery podcast, so you please golden stop pussies. doing that. Sorry. Very sorry. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, we Nature's are going to call it a night again. Uh, if you PG, when like are you going to have this survey up? Could you like let me do my outro here? What's going? On? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, the survey will go up tomorrow. So, uh, for anybody that wants to uh, take part in the uh, in the show, we do this every Wednesday night at nine p.m. Eastern. You can uh, leave comments on our Google site, YouTube page com, and we'll try to pull those things into the show. We, we actually did have a long email from our friend, Pat man, his first big email of the season, but did not get into it tonight, but we'll uh, try to include some, some things uh, next week from him. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for joining me tonight and joining us. And we'll see you next time on beyond the wall. See everybody. If you'd like to send feedback to Beyond the Wall, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. That's btw at s-p-e-c-f-i-c-m-e-d-i-a dot com. Or you could send us a voicemail at 704-315-5884. Or you can comment on the web. Go to specficmedia.com and there you'll find a shiny little button to click on that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, 3.0, unported license. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it. <laughs>